always find fun ways to introduce or to practice cooking and the music. And there is an art exhibit that is all Latin American artists. You take her there. And the reality is, Jenny, we are raising multicultural kids. Doesn't yeah. matter where we are today. You are listening to episode 18, season two of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Why should you raise your kids connected to their Latino culture? What can you do to help them learn Espanol? In this episode, we're kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month with an expert Latina mom of two who's going to help answer those questions. She's the award-winning author of Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie, a parenting topic expert and co-host of Mamás 411 podcast, Maritere Rodriguez Velas. Join us as she gives us professional tips on raising bilingual, bicultural kids and shares with us her parenting advice on the chancla culture. Plus, we'll share with you how you can access her many resources for free. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and tradiciones, and celebrate motherhood. It's time to keep it real, learn tips and tricks from other moms like you, and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rock star wife, mom to five-year-old Victoria Grace, my legacy founder and cafecito lover, Danny Perez. Hola, hola, how are you? I hope that you're doing well. ¿Cómo estás? How is life treating you? I hope life is treating you well. I hope that you're staying safe, sobre todo. Salud, number one, right? Last week, I was telling you about the back-to-school drama. And, of course, this week, the back-to-school drama continues. Ay, Dios mío, que lo queda. It's been just a hot mess. Like, that's the best way I can describe this whole situation. A hot, hot mess. So, I just... So, Victoria's going to be going to school remote. I think I mentioned that last week. Because the school district has been so disorganized. So she's supposed to start school in like literally a couple days. And I literally just got the supply list. And it's like a holiday weekend. Like the last thing that I want to do is go to the store and buy school supplies. I mean, good thing I had a bunch of stuff. So I don't think I have to buy anything. But it was just the principle. Like, why are you sending me the sending me this at the last minute? Like, I don't understand. And then on top of that, like she's supposed to pick up her books and her her school supplies that they're supplying the week after or sometime later in the week and I'm like okay so then why start school now and she doesn't have a Chromebook they're supposed to be receiving a Chromebook and that's yet to be determined which is fine I have my computer however when <laughs> your child is five years old the last thing that you want to give them is an expensive piece of technology that they're going to like <laughs> play with and pretend like you know it's a toy like no so anyway it's just been it's just been a mess it's just been a mess so hopefully once we get started over the next week the next couple of weeks things will will get better and life can go back to a somewhat normal schedule I've been working really hard on her classroom on her new setup at first I was like oh she can just work from my office but then I was like no that's not going to work if I have if I have to do like zoom meetings and she's in her in her class setting then it's going to be too much distraction for her it's going to be distraction for me so that's not going to work so 
Anyway, I transformed our basement into her new classroom. And I got to tell you, the before and after, I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> so if you want to get some ideas on how to transform a space or one of your rooms or basement or a little corner, I have some some ideas for you that can help. So I'm, I'm excited to share that with you. I'll, I'll probably post that at some point this week. A ver qué más. And then I'll, I'll figure out her Spanish learning situation. But first, one thing at a time, right? A ver, ¿qué más les digo? Saludos a mi gente en Perú, España, Argentina, Italia y República Dominicana. Thank you so much for listening. Mil gracias por escuchar. I am truly honored. Es un placer que ustedes me estén escuchando desde tan lejos. Little old me. I'm like, I'm really, really honored and I'm humbled. I'm truly humbled that this podcast that started almost a year ago is where it is today and it's sharing with you and you know empowering you as a mommy so thank you so much wherever and whatever corner of the world you are listening to know that you are part of this journey and like I said my goal is to to continue to empower you that being said I do have news for you so you can now connect with me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy. So I created a new account specifically for the podcast because I want you to have a home. I specifically wanted to create a community for you. And I didn't want to do it on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook that much. So Instagram I can handle. So feel free to connect with me there. Dale. Press pause. I'll wait. I'm waiting. <laughs> Open the IG app. Look for the Latina Mom Legacy and hit follow. I'll send you a message saying mil gracias. And yeah, let's connect there. A ver, ¿qué más les digo? On today's show, I have an expert at raising bilingual and multicultural kids. We are kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month a little bit early. She's made a career of this. Her kids are in their 20s and 30s. And she's going to share with us her best tips and what she feels she could have done better. Espero que te guste. Y nada, I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. I am so excited to share with you today's guest. Hispanic Heritage Month is going to start next week. And what better way to kick it off than with a Latina mom that is an expert in this field, Maritere Rodriguez Velas. Maritere, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for inviting me. So fun to be here with you. I appreciate it. Let me walk you through our listener, how I know Maritere. So Maritere is part of the Instagram fam, as I like to call them. We follow <laughs> each other and we support each other. And she is somebody that I admire and I look up to. We are both very passionate about our cultura, instilling that Spanish language into our children and those uh, traditions and values. But she does have way more experience as her kids are grown kids and I have a little one. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I came to California to get a master's degree in communications. Never intended to stay here. I was ready to just finish my schooling and get back home. But destiny intervened and our God or, you know, whoever you believe in, 
And I met my husband uh, here, and he is Greek-American. He grew up in Ohio, second-generation Greek, 100% Greek. And we made a life here. So kicking and screaming, I, we went to Puerto Rico, got married, and then ended up coming back here and made a life here. We've been married for 36 years. Wow. We have a 30-year-old and a 28-year-old. And they were raised with two languages and three cultures. I love that. I love that. So, Maritere, tell us a little bit about your career and what it is exactly that you do or what it is that you specialize in. Oh, well, um, let's see. I'm an award-winning author, parenting topic expert, speaker, writer, podcast host, uh, now an Instagram live host, as you know. And consider a parenting social media influencer. And how I did this, I combined my passion for writing and my devotion to motherhood to create a diverse platform of resources for parents looking to raise bicultural, bilingual, and multicultural children. I am the author of two books for parents. The first one is an ebook that was published in Spanish and English. It's called Raising Bilingual Children, and it's all about language and how to help the parents navigate that. And the second book, Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie, Raising Bicultural Children, was published in paperback and as an ebook, also in English and in Spanish. In 2018, I wrote my first bilingual children's book. It's called Luisito's Island, La Isla de Luisito. And my upcoming children's bilingual, uh, bilingual children's book is the first one in a series that I'm calling Junito's Adventures in honor of my brother. And the first book is called Yo Tengo Un Secreto, I Have a Secret. And it's going to be coming out in early December. So when I said that she was an expert, I wasn't lying. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. (laughs) It's great. I think as moms with young kids that are trying to raise bilingual kids, that are trying to have them identify with their Latino culture, I think it's important to kind of see somebody that is ahead of us, that has been there, done that, so that we can learn. I mean, there is no right or wrong way to start on this journey. So getting all the little bit that we can help really motivates us to continue on this journey. So having people like you is a big help for us so that we can say, okay, she's done this because her kids are grown and she knows from from the time they were infants all the way to college, like how you can go through this process. I consider this to be a journey. I really do. It definitely is a journey. And you know what? We all learn from each other. You know, when I started in this journey, I had no resources. There were no books to tell me, hey, how do you balance three cultures at home? Or how do you stay consistent with language learning? There was nothing like that. We are so fortunate. All the young moms now are so Mm -hmm. fortunate that there's information at the tip. You know, you just Google it and it's there. (laughs) Or you go into Facebook and there's all these communities now. And there's all these experts, either, either moms or teachers or in bilingual education, which is amazing and offering all these tips and suggestions and I started in this, in, you know, doing this before all that, because I felt like if I'm having problems with it and here I am, you know, I have a master's degree and, you know, how do I do this? I'm sure there's a lot of moms out there Mm -hmm. that are feeling 
or parents, because I, I include the dads too, yes. uh, that are feeling the same way. So that's how this all started. So I would go to the library, get information or talk to experts that I felt that, you know, that knew the topic well, and then mm-hmm. I would write about it. And I would offer that in my writing. And, you know, my column was published in La Opinion newspaper in Los Angeles for 12 years. So, oh, wow. uh, and then they syndicated it a little bit. And then it also ran in Chicago for five years. And I was starting to uh, write for national publication like Ser Padres, which mm-hmm. is still around. I'm sure you see it at the doctor's yep. office and your pediatrician. So I felt like a responsibility, like I wanted to do this. I wanted to help other parents and, and learn along the way because I needed help. Absolutely. So I have lots of questions, <laughs> but let's start here. How can first-generation Latina American moms like me raise children connected to their Latino culture? Like what elements do you think are important? What should we do? What should we not do? What was your experience? Well, my husband and I didn't have children for five years, so we had a lot of time to talk about how we wanted to raise our children. It was important to us from the get-go that they were raised with the three cultures. My culture, the Hispanic culture, Puerto Rican culture, the Greek culture, and the American culture. That's so important, especially that you had the time to talk about it beforehand. Because I think the one of the mistakes that parents make is that you don't have this conversation prior. What you think you and your husband will agree on may not necessarily be what you agree on. So it's really important that you have these conversations beforehand so that you don't end up with surprise arguments because sometimes they can be big things like religion or it could be, you know, something about like traditions or who's going to celebrate what for Christmas. So you want to have these conversations beforehand for sure. Yeah. So we added the culture and the language into our conversation. We talked about religion, you know, how they were going to be raised. You know, the Greek Orthodox Church is very big in the Greek community. And Mm -hmm. that was really important. It was but I was raised Catholic and that Mm -hmm. was important to me. So we kind of compromised. You know, we knew for sure that they were going to be raised in a home where, you know, God was at the top of the list and they were going to receive that foundation. It was mm-hmm. important to us. And and the same, like I mentioned with the cultures, the, the three cultures, they were going to be exposed to the three cultures. It starts at the beginning, Jenny, a language and a culture family plan should be discussed with your spouse before children. Mm-hmm. Just, just like you talk, you know, maybe school is in that conversation. Yep. Like I say, religion, the holidays, and where are you going to go for this holiday and where are you going to go for the next holiday? It's just better to discuss all this before because then there's no misunderstandings. Then the, you mm-hmm. are on the same page. Yep. It's so important. I cannot stress enough. Yes. Just like you are in the same page about discipline, you should be in the same page about the rest of it. Uh, because it's all part of a child's development and a child's rearing and education. Uh, so a language and culture family plan, what language are we speaking? What cultures are we honoring? How are we going to do it? Are we using a method like one parent, one language mm-hmm. or the minority language at home, cultural activities, all that. All that should be part of your plan. And very important that once you decide this, 
between you and your and your partner, your spouse, that you get the whole everyone involved in your child's life should know that this is your mission. This yes. is what you want to do because you're going to need their support of everyone. Yep, yep, exactly. And it takes a village, takes it a village. Really so does. <laughs> family members, neighbors, teachers, amigos, you know, friends, everyone needs to know this is what Mari and Peter are doing. Then you go from there. The language part is not easy and you have to stay consistent, but flexible. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, trust me, I've learned so much in the last 25 years. And maybe I did some things that I probably wouldn't do today. Oh, I want to talk about those in a minute. <laughs> well, because, uh, yeah. Um, but this is why I'm such an advocate about it because mm-hmm. I could have done things. I didn't know. I didn't right. know any better. I didn't have a lot as you know, the information that all these parents have today to then sit down with my husband and say, Hey, let's do it this way. Let's try this. Let's try this Mm -hmm, other thing. mm -hmm. That's the first thing I would do is just have this conversation, develop a plan and then go from there. I love that. And I will say that once you have this conversation early before you have kids, ideally, is have milestones where you do kind of like check-ins with each other. So Victoria's five. And right now, obviously, with the way the situation is, you know, in the country and, and so many uncertain things, I'm sure that my family's not the only family that's having conversations of like, are there possibilities for her to go to school in other countries? Or, you know, it could be like, something simple as is she going to be going to public school or private school even though we had agreed on private school but maybe now you can't afford private school oh it's so many conversations so having these conversations during certain periods throughout the child's life is important because you can have a plan but it doesn't mean that everything is going to fall into place like that so as you said you have to be flexible yeah and it's an ongoing you have these conversations like you say along the way but but you did you do need that plan so you can go back to it and check and kind of do check-ins and say mm-hmm. okay how is this going what do we have to adjust here what do we have to change there and your child as they grow there are certain other needs that they're going to need so you have yeah. to adjust to that too and the way that you're going to work the language and the culture is going to also depend on what what developmental stage your child is in at the time. Exactly. Are you a parent wanting to raise a bilingual child que hable español? Well, I have a freebie just for you. Simply go to the latinamomlegacy.com to download your free 20-page How to Raise a Bilingual Child guide with personal tips, toy recommendations, and much more. Remember, your journey doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to start somewhere. That's the latinamomlegacy.com. You talked a little bit about your children. Let's talk about some tips that you can offer moms that want to raise bilingual children, but that are struggling and may want to give up because they just don't see progress. You mentioned that you committed some mistakes or that you would do some things differently. What advice can you give us? Most important thing is do not give up and start early. (laughs) Start early. I mean, from the beginning, if you can, from before this baby is born, you already have this plan going and this is what you're going to do. 
We have to remember that if a child is raised in a house where Spanish is spoken from the time they're babies, it's going to be easier as it is part of his or her daily life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're not springing something new. This child is already born. I mean, like I just heard you talking to your daughter in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Five years old. I'm assuming you started doing this since she was a baby. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's not to say that a language cannot be introduced at any other age. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, the earlier, the better. It's like brushing his or her teeth three times a day. It becomes part of their daily life. It's part of that. Oh, this is what they do at my house. This is how we right. do it at my house. They don't question it as much. Yes, Mm -hmm. they're in the United States. They live in an English-speaking world. So we just have to accept that. That Mm -hmm. once they get out the door, they're going to be in an English-speaking world and they want to come back and they want to speak English to us. It's going to be up to us to stay on this journey, to give up or no. Remember, in casa, we speak Spanish, da-da-da. You can have very simple conversations about language, taking into consideration the age of the child, evaluate his interest, maybe use that to instill language. Say your child likes cartoons, encourage to watch in Spanish. Or you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe three times a week they watch Spanish cartoons and the other three they watch in English. Exactly. Um, uh, maybe he can find a favorite cartoon that you can use, you know, how they like repetition. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, maybe you use that one or he likes, or she likes music, especially if they're preteens. Maybe he likes comic books. Well, let's find comic books in Spanish. So, you know, you have to be creative and make it fun and it cannot be a chore or an obligation, which goes back to my suggestion that the mm-hmm. earlier you start, the better. I agree 100%. I think it can be a little bit challenging depending on your household, especially if, like in my case, my husband speaks English and Bulgarian. um, So we speak amongst ourselves. We speak English. So Victoria hears us speak English all the time. So she gravitates towards English. But it can be a little bit challenging. When they're young, it's very easy for us to read to them, to sing them lullabies, to, you know, have conversations. What do you recommend when they start getting older? You know, where it's it's a cool thing to speak English. Spanish may not be so cool or they may not practice it as much. What tips can you offer in that respect? Remember, if you started early on, the child, by the time he is in, in middle school or in elementary school, second grade, third grade, he already knows that when he comes back home, Spanish is important and he has to speak it. He or she has to speak it. As the child grows older, It's very easy to find this information and share it with your kids together. Google, why do I want my child to be bilingual? Look for it together and they can read it and have them read it to you. You're kind of of training them without really being like forcefully training them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can have these conversations. And, you know, just like your daughter understands that this is the language she speaks with, with your family. She is educated to know that she speaks Spanish with mommy's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. And the way you presented this to her wasn't threatening. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an obligation. Kids take our cue in everything. Mm-hmm. So if our attitude is positive, it's this is, I'm so excited to share my culture with you, to share the language that I grew up with that I I spoke with mi abuelitas, I mean, mis tios. I'm so excited about this that I want you to 
feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, when I was your age, I didn't know how valuable this was going to be for me. And look at now, mommy is bilingual. She can be drop anywhere in the world and mm-hmm. can talk to someone that is going to understand either Spanish or English. I love you know, that. You have an open conversation with your kids all the time. See, I mean, they're going to come back and they don't want to be different, but it's okay. It's okay to validate how they feel. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to then repeat again. Let me just explain to you why we're doing this. Let me show you the benefits and the advantages, especially when he's in 10th, 11th grade in yes. high school. He's going mm-hmm. gonna to understand that five years later, he's going to find a job and he's going to have more of an advantage. Right, exactly. If there's a monolingual applying for the same job, mm-hmm. he's going to have an advantage because he or she is bilingual. The money is always good. Tell them that you're going to earn more money. <laughs> yeah. So all of these are conversations that, you know, you keep in mind the level of uh, maturity of the child and the attitude that you have is important. Always find fun ways to introduce or to practice cooking and the music. And there is an art exhibit that is all Latin American artists. You take her there. And the reality is, Jenny, we are raising multicultural kids. Doesn't matter where we are today. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Today, we are raising this multicultural kids because there's cultures everywhere, everywhere we live. It doesn't matter. It could be. And when there is not, and we're in a little small town, then you create the opportunity. You teach that community about about Hispanic culture. Why not? Go to the park. Bring something that you can involve the community in. Do like an arts project or bring books from Latin American, uh, South American, Latino authors and and share them with the community. And and if your bookstore doesn't have uh, or library doesn't have these books, encourage them to get these books and do reading or plan an event or now we're doing virtual everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, It's so easy to be exposed to culture, Mm -hmm. you know, these days. So there's a lot we can do. We can be creative. We can involve our children in this. Oh, why don't we just invite your friends and let's introduce them to Colombian culture. And, you know, you have a Colombian party and you do everything, (laughs) all the food and the music. And if it's not there, you create it. I'm going to give you an example. And I mentioned this in my Racing Bilingual Children book. My kids grew up in a very white neighborhood. I was the first brown person to go to their school. You know, they were Greek, Latino kids and (laughs) uh, Americans too. And it was very important to me that they would get Spanish at school. In those days, there were not dual immersion schools close to me at all. I would, you know, I don't know if you know Los Angeles at all, but you need a car. The, The distances, lots of traffic. So I would have had to be in my car most of the day to go back and <laughs> my husband's like, you're crazy. You cannot do that. So I took it up on myself, got very involved in their, in their education. And there were two English monolingual moms that really believed in bilingual education and mm-hmm. really supported me. So the three of, you, of us went in this journey. Jani, it took us eight years. But to this day, they still have Spanish as part of the curriculum because I decided to go on this journey. Wow. I love that. It's incredible. 
if you really care about it and it's not in your school, then, you know, create it, create the project. It didn't cost, it cost me hours of work, Mm -hmm. but really, you know, I was so convinced that it was important. I mean, in my humble opinion, every single school everywhere, they should all offer Spanish as part of the curriculum. It should be part of what they, uh, you know, what they teach. So Hispanic Heritage Month is upon us and we want to celebrate, you know, all those great things about nuestra cultura, the food, the language, la música, the art. But one thing that many of us would not like to celebrate is part of how we were raised with the chancla culture. How can Latina moms that want to raise their children differently, how can they cope and deal with the backlash that comes from the community or La Familia? You know, I go back into once you develop this plan. So that discipline should be part of this plan that you and your partner and your or your spouse talk about. And, and this is a conversation that you tell your family, this is what you and your spouse, your partner decided. This mm-hmm. is how we're going to raise our kids. And we hope we, ha- we have your blessing. And we hope that you respect it. You don't have to, you know, you can agree to disagree. I think parents nowadays, they don't want to raise their kids with, you know, pegándoles and, you know, using the, the chancla or una galleta en la cara or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, we just want to do positive and disciplining and have an open communication with your family members from the beginning. This is the way we're choosing to raise our kids. It is not a judgment or a criticism. They need to understand that you're not mm-hmm. judging. I never judge my, my mom or all of us parents in any generation, mm-hmm. we all have done the best we can. The Absolutely. Best we yes. can. So I, there is no judgment and no criticism. We just want respect. This is how we are going to do it. And I hope that you honor and respect that. There's so many online resources to help parents these days. You know, Latinx Parenting mm-hmm. is a wonderful resource for the end of Chancla culture. I mean, they post things every single day about yes. it and that help parents give suggestions. They have workshops and it's okay. And it should be okay with our family members. There were things that I chose to do that my mom didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And I remember particularly this one incident when my daughter was maybe like four years old, we were at a restaurant in Puerto Rico and my husband was going to the bathroom and my daughter wanted to go with him. Papa, quiero ir. I want to go with you. Uh, they, they spoke English uh, to him. My mom was appalled. Like, why is she doing that? She's only four. I mean, she wasn't going to look. She just <laughs> wanted to walk with her dad. Uh, I don't even think she understood that that's where he was going. I mean, it was kind right. of like very innocent Right. Nothing, but she made this comment and it really hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. So I walked away from the table and, you know, of course she goes outside with me and she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I offended you. And I said, mom, you have to trust me. I'm mm-hmm. 35 years old. I, I've mentioned to you before, we you know, we raise our kids where no, we don't think it's anything. We don't want them to think it's anything bad to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom with your dad. She's only four. If she was eight or maybe 10, there's, right. she wouldn't even want to go with her dad. In fact, to be honest, Johnny, I think she was like two. She was little. 
Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like that big of a deal. But to her, I mean, because we didn't do that. I mean, right. you're kidding me. I never saw my dad naked ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, my kids, you know, they, she, they, they did see my husband naked. And they see saw me until it was time to not do that anymore. Right. But we were just kind of more open about these mm-hmm. things, about not making things a taboo. Right. And both of us grew up with it being a taboo. And mm-hmm. we didn't want that. Yes. You know, we, we did, we wanted to honor everyone's parts and it's all, no one mm-hmm. touched you. And just, just like the consent parenting, uh, you know, what she, what Rosalia is doing is so yes. to be educated. I mean, I wish I had had that so I could kind of give my mom even more education. <laughs> I was trying to give her. I, yes. love her. I love my mom. I miss her every day. I'm the mom that I am because, you know, she was my mom. I mean, I, they're things about her parenting that I, I love, but there are things of her parenting that I chose to do differently. And it right. wasn't that I was criticizing her or judging her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I feel the same with, with my parents. Like there were certain things that uh, my parents did or, you know, how they raised us that I don't agree with a hundred percent. And there are things obviously that I loved about my, my upbringing that I want to pass down to my daughter and know that when your kids have kids, guess what? <laughs> They're going to raise their kids differently, too. They're going to pick and choose what they love about you, how you raise them. And they're not going to do that because, you know what? Nobody's perfect. And we all make no. mistakes. And like you said, there were things that I wish I would have done differently with my kids. Same thing here. You know, 10 years from now, I'm going to say, oh, I wish I would have done this. Why? Because we grow, we learn, we evolve. And it's life. It's like you can't beat yourself up about what you could have, should have, would have done is just be present and try to be present for your kids and do the best that you can. That's all you can do, really. Exactly. That's all. And in and same with language and culture, you're doing the best you can. There are a lot of, um, you know, opportunities and resources out there. But, you know, in my case, you asked me what I would have done differently. I didn't have the resources that parents uh, have today. I I should say also the support. I needed that support and I didn't have it. And I, there were days when I was just giving up, but I was bound and determined to at least instill the love of culture. You know, my kids grew up going to Puerto Rico every single summer for like 12 years in a row. Oh, I love that. They grew up with the, for two months, I would park myself in my parents' house so they would get the English and the Spanish because mm-hmm. everyone there wanted to to learn English. So it wasn't as, as strict. My mom would try for them to speak in Spanish to her uh, most of the time. So there were things that I could have done better at the Spanish side, continue speaking to them. My husband did not speak, so they would speak English to him and Spanish to me. But pretty quickly, they realized that I spoke English too. So, <laughs> so it was hard to stay consistent. But mainly because I did not have the support. And so now the parents have so much support out there, so much encouragement. um, And I think we just have to hold on to that. When my daughter was um, uh, for her semester abroad, she kind of grew up understanding, and my son did too, that at some point they were going to go abroad to a Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. country, and they and they did. They went to Madrid, um, mm-hmm. and they were there for five months. And you know, when I went to pick up my daughter and having conversations in Spanish, all in Spanish with her, I was so excited. 
I, you know, I was super excited. So proud. <laughs> and, and so proud because I knew, I knew it was there. I knew they grew up, you know, the sounds and the rhythms and the, the sentences like, and everything. She did it, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you say, we all do the best we can with mm -hmm. the resources that we have. But today, parents are very lucky and very blessed that they have the support of so many bilingual communities out there. And, and the one thing that I was going to leave you with, it's very important that we Latino parents, French parents, German parents, if you're living in the United States and you're raising kids here, and maybe your kids were born here, that you honor the American culture in front of them. Mm -hmm. You cannot criticize the culture. This is the culture that you adopted. This is the mm -hmm. culture that probably saw them, you know, being born. Mm -hmm. And they need, because if you want them to honor your culture, mm -hmm. they need to see that you're honoring theirs. It's so important. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Maritere, thank you so much for instilling your wisdom. It has been a pleasure having you on. Real quick, let's talk about the name of your books and where people can get them. I will provide links in the show notes, by the way. So Raising Bilingual Children is in English and in Spanish. It's an e-book. You can find it on Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and all the online platforms. And Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie, Raising Bicultural Children, also on Amazon. That's a book. A printed version and also an ebook. And if you go to my website, maritere Rodriguez Bellas, B E L L A S, punto com, dot com, you can see where you get the books right there. I mean, it takes you directly to uh, where to get the book. Now, bilingual book, Luisito's Island, La Isla de Luisito, it's a project, a collaboration that I worked on with readconmigo.org. And readconmigo.org, if you don't know, it is a free subscription. They send you books every, I think it's every two or three months, directly to your house or to your, to your email. Books that you can read. It's a literacy program they want. It's, they're advocating for reading out loud and for reading with your children. And they provide really? Spanish books and Spanish books and bilingual books. So my book is, it's in there. And it is actually like a paperback book. So you could get it in both versions, the ebook e or the, the paperback book version. And as soon as the next book is, comes out, I will let you know. But it's, it's also going to be available on Amazon and all those other places. And you can also listen to Maritere on the Mamas 411 podcast, correct? Correct. Mamas 411 podcast. It is for parents that are raising multilingual and multicultural children. And that podcast is in Espanol, correct? It's in Spanish. Yes, absolutely. It is in Spanish. On Instagram, where can people connect with you? My Instagram is Latina Boomer Mom. Latina Boomer Mom. <laughs> uh, no. Well, I am a boomer kid, so that's where that came from. She looks great. Don't let her tell you that. She looks great. <laughs> yeah, you're sweet. Thank you. Maritere, thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love traditions. Maritere, what is a tradition in your home growing up Latina that you have a fond memory of? Well, the one thing that I always I, I think about fondly is traveling with my parents. I was uh, very um, blessed, lucky to grow up with a dad that really believed in um, 
in exposing us to other cultures from the beginning. I think that's how I get this. How am I in this path? But, you know, my dad was a doctor and during the week he wasn't at home uh, for dinner very Mm -hmm. often. And so Sundays were like our family day. It was such a like that was it. We could not make any plans. It was going to mass and then going to lunch or an early dinner uh, with the family. I had two brothers and one sister. So it was always the four of us and, and my mom and dad. And and I love those times because it was always a time that, you know, he would share about his work and, you know, would tell us anecdotes about when he was growing up. And I just have so many fun memories of that to the point where when I, when I went away to college Sundays, I did not like to be alone. It was so hard Aww. for me because <laughs> I just, I, you know, I always remember those, all those years mm-hmm. where um, we would have dinner and, and, you know, as a family, we would be together. And so I, I miss that. And because of that, Sundays is now very big at my house now that my son lives away and my mm-hmm. daughter lives here. But we just, we either Skype or we FaceTime or we video. And, you know, this is not like for five minutes. We sometimes we stay for like an hour and they know. <laughs> That's important. So every Friday at some point I get a text or I send a text saying, okay, what time on Sunday? And so (laughs) they understand. So that kind of carry that tradition. And they know that family is super important to both my husband and I. So they they stay connected and and it's it's so easy now these days. The technology has made it a lot easier to, to stay connected with those that you love. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Okay, Maritere, it is a show tradition that we ask every single guest the same round of fast questions. So this is your round. Okay, what would you say is your biggest struggle as a mom? My biggest struggle as a mom, I think it was being patient. It was hard to to be patient with the different stages, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) especially teenhood. (laughs) And and not having a control, you know, (laughs) and now it's, I I mean, now they're out in the world and you provided the wings for them to fly. Things are not in your control anymore. And, and sometimes I struggle with that. I'm like, Oh Oh, yeah. I wish it'd be scary. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's scary. I mean, you all you can do is is hope that that you educated them the best that you could Mm -hmm. and that they're going to go out there and and make the right choices and the right decisions for their life that's Mm -hmm. that's all you can do what is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten from a mom or your mom i remember when my son was born and i was breastfeeding him my mom came and you know she was with me for a few weeks and i remember the one time when she said you know that from now on, you are never again going to sleep soundly ever again. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and you know what? It is, it was so true. I mean, she's like, I know no one is going to tell you this. So I'm just going to tell you. That, it's so you know, true. <laughs> you're always going to wake up because, you know, first of all, you know, when the kids are little, you're always waking up. But but even now that they're out of the house when they went to college, I would wake up and, you know, I'm, I'm very um, spiritual, very religious. Mm-hmm. So all I can do is say a prayer and then go back to sleep. But mm-hmm. she was so right. And I really, I told her once, I, you know, I so appreciated that you told me that because 
it was so true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I never read that in a book. She mm-hmm. told me because she's like, I have four kids. I know what I'm talking about. So anyway, did she tell you how how men can sleep through the apocalypse, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, my dad could sleep through anything, too. <laughs> so is my husband. <laughs> how funny. Okay, finish this sentence. Growing up Latina, I... Growing up Latina, I... Well, I'm very proud of my culture and my traditions and the values that I grew up with. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would want to be a Latina, even if I wasn't one. (laughs) I love that. I love that. (laughs) Okay. What Latino dish would you like to pass down to your kids and why? (laughs) <laughs> Arroz con pollo. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you about this. So the, the book was originally called Ni de aquí, ni de allá. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we have one leg here, one leg there, right? And when it was time to publish it, I just, I, I was talking to my son. My son was helping me. I think he was already 21. And so I said, you know, Nikos, I just, I don't know. I just want to come up with a better name for this book. I just think I want something catchy, something mm-hmm. that resonates with people that really kind of takes them to the both cultures. Mm-hmm. So we started brainstorming mm-hmm. and we said, mom, what about food? And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, food sounds good. And, and he's like, well, what about arroz con pollo? I mean, everyone knows arroz con pollo is very Latino and Hispanic uh, in so many countries. And apple pie is very American. Mm-hmm. So, arroz con pollo and apple pie and I looked at him and I'm like oh my god that sounds awesome so <laughs> that was that actually they know how to make it <laughs> so a win-win <laughs> okay what Hispanic home remedy do you swear by um big vaporub <laughs> are you kidding I, I have I'm with that. my kids grew up with that <laughs> I'm gonna have big sponsor the show i swear i am (laughs) you should (laughs) we're never they're they're never gonna go bankrupt with latina moms (laughs) oh my god no 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 are you kidding no how funny okay maritere what do you want your legacy to be what do i want my legacy to be I just, you know, I've always wanted my, my children to, to love the Hispanic culture, to, to appreciate it, to appreciate their roots, to respect them, to go back and learn more and more about it. I wanted them to have that rich culture in their veins. I think that's why I just, you know, every, every time I could, we could, you know, we could go to see my family and, and be close to that, even if I'm not here. So, and I would hope that they do. I hope that they raise their kids, knowing the Hispanic culture and appreciating it and the language. And yeah, that's just really important to me. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Maritere, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Once again, where can people connect with you? They can find me on my website. And in my website, they have all my social media platforms. And the website is Maritere, M-A-R-I-T-E-R-E, Rodriguez. R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, Bellas, B-E-L-L-A-S dot com. 
Thank you so much, Maritere. And once again, I will have all links to Maritere's books where you can listen to her podcast, to her website, to everything in the show notes and also uh, on the website as well. Maritere, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. I really, it's been super fun talking to you, Jenny. Maritere is hashtag parenting goals, right? O me equivoco. Her years of experience and passion definitely helped guide us. Now let's recap. Have a conversation with your spouse about how you will be raising your child. Make sure to discuss religion, discipline, culture, language, and traditions. Have a family culture and language plan ideally before you have a child. Share your family plan with your family and friends. Remember, it takes a village, but your family should honor your wishes. Start early and don't give up. If a child is born into a home where Spanish is spoken, it will become a part of their lives. As the child gets older, you can talk about the importance of being bilingual and make it a family activity. Get them involved. Make it fun and remember to also honor their American heritage. Know that you are doing the best that you can with the resources that you have. You can only look forward to sitting with your kids one day and having a full conversation in Espanol while eating arroz con pollo and apple pie. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at me legacy spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I. For links to today's recommendations, including Maritere's website, newsletter, and free resources, click on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit thelatinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, feel free to share it or leave a positive review. Reviews are the way the podcast can help other moms to connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Un beso, un abrazo, y hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?